Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar, and welcome back to Living Divine Mercy here on EWTN. It's always an honor to have you with us. We all know the Bible says we need to go to our rooms and pray to God in private. But our private prayer may not be as effective as it could be because our personal sins block some of the grace that God wants to give. On the other hand, there is the public worship of the Catholic Mass. Christ said, where two or three gather together in my name, there I am in their midst. The Mass is the only perfect form of prayer because only at the Mass are our prayers, which are stained with sin, united to the perfect prayers of Jesus to the Father. So, in the next two episodes, we will do a walkthrough of the Catholic Mass, teaching you about each and every part, why we say what we say, and why we do what we do. Today we will discuss the first part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word. And next week, we will do a walkthrough of the second part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Eucharist. In this, we have everything needed to perfectly worship God. Remember, worship must involve sacrifice, not a new one, but participation in the one true sacrifice that Christ offered on the cross. At Mass, we are not re-crucifying Christ. We are really there at Calvary, as we've said before, as he is paying our debt for sin. In Genesis 2.17, God says the penalty for sin is death, and death comes through the shedding of blood. That's why the Jews offered animals and sacrifice to God to pay for their sins by the shedding of blood, which caused the death that was owed for their sin. Today, the Mass is an unbloody sacrifice as we worship God the Father through the sacrifice of the Son, the bloody sacrifice. As I always learned, the Mass is God offering God to God. It's God the Holy Spirit offering God the Son to God the Father in perfect sacrifice for sin. Today, Mass is an encounter between God and man through word, gestures, and symbols, the same way how the worship of God was detailed in the Bible. We as humans are body-soul composites, so we must give worship through our entire person, not just our body in singing and not just our soul in praying, but both. When we do, God can fill us with the most grace possible. So let's look at the Mass. Some say, well, Father, I don't get anything out of the Mass because it's nothing more than just standing and sitting and kneeling. Well, actually, these are the three important ways to give God the respect he is owed. Why? Well, to stand is a sign of respect. Um, gentlemen, don't you stand when a lady enters the room to show her your respect? Um, to kneel is humility because it makes God bigger and we smaller. Kneeling prayer can also be for supplication, asking for God's mercy on our soul. 
Sitting can actually be prayer too. It is receptive, like being in the pew and listening to the homily. So in these three actions, we show God respect, humility, and a comfortable way to listen to him. And even to genuflect, which is bending our knee, that's for adoration. We do this when we pass before the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle or before the cross on Good Friday. At the Mass, we also honor God by singing. All right, remember, nobody says, and this applies to me, nobody says it has to be in tune. If God didn't give you a good voice, give it back to him. In fact, Jesus sang on his way to his passion. When we sing, we unite our singing with the heavenly choir. But you know, often silence can mean even more than words. Uh, it's a proper disposition. St. Joseph, he never spoke a word. And sometimes we don't need to either. So the Mass has all of these things. So it is important that we join ourselves to the external actions that are going on at Mass. Refusing to sing, sit by someone, or shake hands is contrary to the meaning of the Mass. The Mass is communal worship. It's not just about you. The priest is not an entertainer. In the Bible, at the Last Supper, Christ instituted an an eternal sacrifice, and a Paschal meal at the same time. So at the Mass, for the meal, we use bread, wine, and water, the same elements Christ used. Then, just like at the Last Supper, the bread and wine are turned into the body and blood of Christ, and it is consumed in the meal. Sacrifice is the key. Sacrifice, defined as the public worship, through the offering of tangible objects, has always been the essence of all religions from the beginning of time. And God commanded this in the Bible. And that is what we do as Catholics. And the very nature of a sacrificial act requires a priest ordained by God to offer the sacrifice. That is the Catholic priesthood as we've described in past episodes. Not until 1,500 years after Christ did Protestants begin to reject the idea of a sacrificial mass and replace it with ceremonies just focused on prayer and song. While it's good, uh, praise and worship is not really worship, but just praise and singing. Without sacrifice, there is no true worship. Thus, we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass, our participation in the one true sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Now, let's do a walkthrough of the first part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word. Well, here we are at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and as we said, in the opening, we are going to now walk you through every part of the Mass, explaining its meaning and how it is biblical. You know, Thomas Aquinas told us that we cannot love what we do not know. So the better that we know the Mass and the liturgy, the better we can love it. And so this is our objective today, is to help you better understand this gift, the greatest gift God gives us. 
Now, as you can see, the procession is the beginning part of the actual celebration of the liturgy. During this time, a song is sung because singing brings us unity as community with one voice. St. Augustine said, he who sings prays twice. And so the priest and the altar servers come forth. He genuflects before the tabernacle where our Lord is present and then venerates or kisses the altar. This is important because the altar is both a table for a meal and a altar of sacrifice that Christ continues to this day. And so while the singing is joining, the priest could also, if there is no song sung, begin with the entrance antiphon. So if I begin the mass, the entrance antiphon is stated first or the song is sung. So the priest will read, the Lord said, I think thoughts of peace and not of affliction. You will call upon me and I will answer you and I will lead you back, your captives, from every place. Now the priest begins with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now why does that happen? We sign ourselves because we are human. We are body and spirit. So we are engaging both our body and our spirit to name God as the reason we are here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we are naming God as the reason we are here. And we mark ourselves like branding to show who we belong to. Now, after the sign of the cross, everybody responds, Amen. And that means I believe. The priest leads in prayer, but he is not praying without you. The amen makes it your prayer as well. Next, in the traditional Jewish form of prayer, the priest raises his arms and gives the greeting. That is, the, the Lord, Lord be, be with, with you. you. Now, why? Because we establish that God is present. He is here. The Lord be with you. He's with us. And the people respond, and with your spirit. That is biblical. The Lord be with your spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 22, verse 22. So yes, he is here. And I acknowledge it. God is here. Next comes a very important part of the masses. They're all important, but this is the penitential act. In the penitential act, we are admitting to the Lord our sins and our need for his mercy. Now, here's the question. When we go to confession, do we need to confess all the sins we can remember? Actually, no. We must confess all grave sins we can remember, but not necessarily all venial, although it's a good habit. Why? Because venial sins are forgiven in the mass in the penitential rite. And so when we do this, it's not to remind God of our, it's not to remind him of our sins, but for us to see our need for his mercy. So a lot of people ask, Father, at what point can I miss to still make mass? Well, try to get there before the penitential rite. This way you are spotless and ready to receive Holy Communion. All right, now, if we pray the Confidior, for instance, on a Sunday, and that is, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, 
that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, what I have done and what I have failed to do. This is called the confidior. Now, after I say this line of may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life, what comes next? The Kyrie. Or as many say, Lord have mercy. This comes from Tobit 8. Let us pray that the Lord may have mercy upon us. Then we say, Christ have mercy. This comes from Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then to finish, we say again, Lord have mercy. And we go here to Matthew 20, verse 31. Lord have mercy on us, son of David. Now on Sunday, we next pray the Gloria. This is what the angels sung. This is the birth of Christ incarnate. This is what the angels gave us in song. And this song gives praise to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. We know the Gloria because it begins so beautiful. And actually, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 14, where the angels say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The priest next does the collect. This is also known as the opening prayer. We call it the collect because we collect ourselves. This is important because when we are ready to really begin to engage in our Lord, the priest says, let us pray. And he reads from the mass, the opening prayer or the collect. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you, for it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. I believe those words are the tenets of our faith. The Liturgy of the Word consists of four readings from Scripture. The first is typically from the Old Testament. The second is a psalm. The third is usually a reading from one of the epistles or letters, for instance, of St. Paul. And finally, the gospel is proclaimed. The first reading usually is from the Old Testament where we see the foretelling of the coming of Christ. A reading from the book of the prophet Zechariah. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now we prepare to hear the responsorial psalm, which is a response of faith after hearing the first reading. God is with us. God is with us. So as you can see, the psalms connect the teaching of the readings. Then, if it is a Sunday, we have a second reading, and again, we say thanks be to God. Now, next, we have the gospel acclamation, where we acclaim God to the world. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Alleluia, alleluia, 
Alleluia. We sing the Alleluia and then rise. Why? Because Alleluia is a joyful word, which is to praise God. And while we do not use this gospel acclamation in Lent, because that is a time of penance and not joy, this sets the tone for the gospel and gives us the theme of the gospel. And why do we rise when the gospel is read? Because we are hearing from the words of Jesus himself. Jesus is even more present now because we are hearing his own words. Now he has come into the room. Jesus was first present with us at the beginning of Mass in spirit. Now in the Mass he is present with us in word. And soon he will be present with us in actual body and blood. Jesus is the living word. The Father speaks, the Son is the word, and the Holy Spirit is the breath, the breath that powers that word. Now, a deacon or a concelebrant should be the one to read the gospel even before the priest as the main celebrant. If a deacon is present, he comes to receive the priest's blessing. And the priest says quietly, may the Lord be in your heart and on your lips that you may proclaim his gospel worthily and well. Now, if it is the priest himself who reads the gospel, he approaches the altar, bows, and says quietly to himself, cleanse my heart and my lips, almighty God, that I may worthily proclaim your holy gospel. Then he goes to the ambo to profess the gospel. Next, the priest again begins with, The, the Lord, Lord be with, be with you. And you respond, and with your spirit. And then the priest says a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. These are only one of the four gospel readings, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and only those. Next, a sign of the cross is made over the forehead, on the lips, and over the heart. These are the three places God needs to be, in our head, on our lips, in what we profess, and most importantly, in our heart. We open our minds to hear God's word. We plan to share these words with others by speaking them with our lips, and we declare we believe in Jesus with our whole heart. Now, after the gospel is read, we say the gospel of the Lord. And you respond, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At this point, the priest or deacon kisses the word of God, kisses the book, and he says quietly to himself, through the words of the gospel, may our sins be wiped away. Notice he says, our sins, not just my sins. All of our sins, let them be wiped away through the word of God. Next, a homily follows. And here, this is important because this is scriptural. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Be urgent in season and out of season. 
convince, rebuke, which is not very popular today. Remember, admonish the sinner. And exhort, be unfailing in patience and in teaching. The homily is scriptural. And the homily is only preached by bishops, priests, or deacons, the ordained clergy, even at funerals. Nobody else can preach the homily. Now, is the homily mandatory? Actually, yes and no. On Sunday, yes, even short. And during the weekdays, it is optional. Okay, now what is the difference between a sermon and a homily? We are often asked this. A homily refers to a specific reading. In the Catholic Mass, it's the reading of the day, and the priest applies it to your daily life. Now, a sermon is about a topic, like chastity. And then the pastor pulls from any scripture he wants. So that's a difference between the Protestant faith and the Catholic faith. We give homilies on a specific reading. They do sermons on a particular topic and pull in different readings. Then after the homily is finished, the priest walks in silence back to the chair. Next, the priest stands for what we call the profession of faith. This is a statement of the apostles' faith and the tenets of our Catholic belief. The creed leads us to an act of faith in the Holy Trinity and what each member or person of the Trinity does. As Catholics, we use the term creed, but that could either mean the Apostles' Creed, which is the shorter form, or we read at the Sunday Mass often the Nicene Creed. Now, we know this prayer, and let us take a look at its meaning. I'm not going to read every line, but we will highlight some parts of the Nicene Creed because we'll be doing a future show on this prayer. Now, we begin with the priest and the people. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now, this comes from Genesis 14, 19, which says, God most high, maker of heaven and earth. Next, we say, of all things visible and invisible. This is from Colossians 1, verse 16. For in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. This is all scriptural. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. Then we pray, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. That's from John chapter 10, verse 30. Because Christ says, I and the Father are one. That's the meaning of consubstantial. Then we say, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Next, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Now here, the church uses a small c Catholic. We're not talking about our proper Catholic faith with a capital C. We're talking about the meaning of the word Catholic with a small c, meaning universal. 
But this is also scriptural, Romans 12, verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. That means Catholic, universal, and individually members of one another. Now, please join us later for a show on this important prayer, as I mentioned. After the conclusion of the creed comes the universal prayer, or what we call the prayers of the faithful, or our petition of needs. Here, these are basically intercessions, and this too is scriptural. Philippians 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank God in all my remembrance of you always and in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. So the Bible's telling us to pray for one another. So what do we pray for? Well, when the church is gathered, we have the responsibility to pray for the whole church and the world because we are mystically united. Now, the order of prayer intercessions starts with the church. So the lector first petitions a prayer on behalf of the church and says, let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray to the Lord. You respond, Lord, Lord hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Then following that is a prayer for our world, a prayer for our local government, a prayer of intercession for the sick and suffering, a prayer of intercession for any specific needs, and then a prayer of petition and intercession for the deceased. At this time, we now conclude this part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word. So please join us next week as we'll be back to walk you through the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Awesome mysteries take place during Mass. A great mystery is accomplished in the Holy Mass. With what great devotion should we listen to and take part in this death of Jesus? Well, thank you everybody for being with us for this first part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, and please be with us next week as we discuss in detail the second part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Now remember, the greatest gift you can ever give to someone is the gift of the Mass. And so if you'd like to join with us Marian Fathers and have a Mass said by us for you or a loved one, the information is there on your screen or have a series of Masses said, like Gregorian Masses, or even enroll in our Mass Association to be able to have us pray for you daily. So until next week, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.